Hallo en welkom bij de podcast Steaks, Barbels en Business. Mijn naam is Ken van den Ede en in deze episode ontvang ik een nieuwe special guest, namelijk Trisha Yep. Trisha woont in Hongkong, dus we hebben een internationale episode vandaag. En het zal een Engelstalige aflevering worden en ze zal het hebben over Fat Loss for Women, What Every Trainer Needs to Know. Geniet van deze episode. Ben jij personal trainer en wil je graag wat meer informatie over het zakelijke deel van personal training, hoe dat je business optimaal kan runnen en ook hoe dat je bepaalde processen kan optimaliseren om zo jouw coaching nog beter te maken? Vergeet dan zeker niet de pagina Personal Training Blueprint te liken op Instagram. En daar vind je elke dag meer informatie. Oké okay guys, in this episode um, I'm having Trisha Yap uh, live from Hong Kong uh, with me. Um, she's a functional medicine health coach and I know Trisha for a uh, few years now. We've met during a few international courses. So welcome Trisha. Uh, can you introduce you. yourself to the listeners? Hi guys. So um, my name's Trisha or Trish. Uh, I'm originally, I was born in Malaysia. I grew up in Australia. Uh, And I've lived in Hong Kong for the last 11 years. Um, I started actually life off, not in the fitness industry, but actually as a management consultant. And I changed um, my career uh, probably now 12 years ago or over 12 years ago um, to become a strength coach. And that's pretty much what I started with. And I started working with um, predominantly females. And what I found over the years was that, you know, the, the movement piece was just one part of a very small jigsaw puzzle or small piece of a bigger jigsaw puzzle, I mean. And um, over the course of the years, I was trying to learn a lot more and found myself more towards, um, you know, functional medicine, obviously first nutrition and then later functional medicine. Um, so that's pretty much been my expertise for the last decade or so. Um, you know, uh, here in Hong Kong, uh, a lifetime ago, I was uh, one of uh, Hong Kong's first female mixed martial artists. So I was go undergoing a lot of hard training and a lot of weight cuts um, in my late 20s and early 30s. And I found that um, I'm closer to 40 these days. Uh, <laughs> and I found that, you know, As the years went by and as more of the um, extreme sort of nutritional philosophies that I had to follow through to make the, make the weights for the fights, I found them to become harder and harder to a point where um, I was actually burnt out, uh, extremely injured. Um, I, had, I ended up with uh, multiple miscarriages and I was not healthy, even though I looked fit if you understand what I mean. Yeah. And that's really when I started to rethink and take a step back or a few steps back and to go, hang on a second. Um, we're always mostly taught at the start that, you know, the more you move, um, the more you focus on calories and calories out, you should lose weight, right? Or you should be a lot leaner. Um, but why is that not the case? And so I think this is, uh, you know, um, I like to take this opportunity to kind of tell people why it's not the case, particularly for females. I mean, I can get an easier body composition or body recomposition result with men than I can with women. It is extremely difficult with females um, from a body comp perspective, uh, even from a, a maybe sometimes from mindset psychology perspective. So these are... These are things that, you know, I hope could help um, other coaches over the course of the last decade that I've learned. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a big thing, a big difference in, in between men and uh, women, uh, according to, to fat loss goals. Uh, we talked about it a little bit before the, before the episode. Um, also, depending on the age, all the hormonal um, imbalances that are going on when, when, when some women age, uh, pregnancy in between uh, in a lifetime. Uh, puberty, all these things. So um, we will get to this all during the episode. So what every woman needs to know about fat loss. Um, first, as a, for female trainers, do you have some um, guidelines for female trainers who want to work with women for fat loss? Um, 
I would say the first and foremost thing that I find with um, female coaches and the coaches that um, I've worked with is actually understanding a client's mindset. And it's really, really important because um, as one of my mentors, Wolfgang, says, you cannot train mindset. So if somebody is in a particular mindset, it's very, very difficult to change them. And actually, if you, you know, if they are not in the right mindset for change, it's very difficult to get them to comply for the long term for what you want, if you, particularly if you're into more sustainable results. So firstly, I would say spend that extra 10 to 15 minutes. And that, that's all you need to understand where a client is at in terms of the stages of change. So what, are they ready? To actually change are they thinking about it right are they in in a stage where they're you know they um, what we call ambivalent in in wellness coaching or are they just completely they, they don't know that they they need to change or they don't want to change not ready to do so yet so um understanding where your client is is going to already give you a result that before um before you even embark on on any journey with your client so yeah. i'd say that's number one Okay, perfect. Um, uh, let's talk about uh, a bit more about uh, the fat loss. What do you think uh, is, is a big difference in women and men according to fat loss goals? Uh, definitely hormonal journeys. So if you look at the hormonal journey for, or the number of hormonal journeys for a male versus a female. So a male would pretty much just have puberty. Yeah. That's, that's their, that's, be on the hormonal journey. Um, Whereas a female would undergo puberty, she would undergo um, pregnancy, you know, um, delivery. So childbirth is another hormonal journey. uh, And that obviously can happen multiple times, whether that results in childbirth or miscarriage. And then there would be, you know, your your pre-menopause, perimenopause, menopause, post-menopause. And so just the number of different hormonal journeys a female undergoes through her whole life, um, that already differentiates themselves from males. Now, the, the, the smaller the number of hormonal journeys a female has undergone, right, the easier it is to work with them for fat loss. So the easier uh, the movement, you know, the whole calories in, calories out equation kind of holds true which is why it's easy to get a result out of a 21-year-old female um, who's never had a child, uh, you know, because the only thing she's gone through perhaps is puberty versus a 45-year-old mother of three children um, that is possibly facing um, early menopause. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's in the, so, in the, that's something we we see as well. Um, now, if we talk about these hormones, can you can you give me a few examples of important hormones that you look at, uh, you look at? Yep. So actually, what I what I typically start off with for the majority of my females. So just for um, the listeners, the majority of my clients actually are thirty five and above. So I, I rarely have the opportunity these days to work with um, a younger female population uh, for whatever reason it is. Um, so in, in, the, in the most cases, I always, almost always start with gut health, right? So yeah. if you just imagine um, uh, your gut as almost a foundation. So Socrates said all disease starts in the gut. And that's typically where I look at. Um, there's several reasons for that. Um, the gut is where some quite a few hormones are converted. So, for example, uh, if you look at the thyroid hormones, uh, the you know um, your T3, uh, T4, sorry, um, uh, being converted into uh, T3, which is the more active form of your thyroid hormone. Uh, for those of you who don't know, your thyroid uh, is responsible for your metabolism. So, how fast you you know what your um, in when you look at your your I suppose your Harris Benedict equation, your basal metabolic rate, all of that, right? Your thyroid, which is a gland that sits just right at your neck, that's the kind of like um, you know it, it, it's the the navy, right? It's yeah. out looking, 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 calibrating, 
and that's responsible for your metabolism too. If it's a cold season, it speeds up. If it's hot season, slows down, etc. Um, and your thyroid hormones converted in the gut, right? Your uh, in terms of elimination. So, for example, um, your liver is responsible for detoxification, right? Mm-hmm. Or what you think your liver is responsible for detoxification, but actually it's not. The liver is responsible for taking a toxin and biotransforming it such that it can be excreted by the body through, you know, through your kidneys and also out through your bowels. And your gut is responsible for quite a fair bit of that. So if you're not um, looking at, at, your, at your gut health, um, you're not actually eliminating toxins. And this is where uh, what I see, you know, if you, if a lot of people would have heard about gut-brain connection right it there's a lot more connections to the gut these days there's gut to immune system gut to thyroid gut to skin i mean imagine you cannot uh get poor gut health you're unable to eliminate your toxins via bowel movements where are all the toxins going to go through your skin that's how you get hives rashes um possibly but acne right inflammation has to go somewhere yeah, and, and so um, because of the hormonal journeys that women have, this gut health becomes more and more important to get... Particularly, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, particularly. I mean, uh, so if you look at estrogen, so you have several forms of estrogen. Uh, you, have, you, have your, you, know, you have your E1, E2, which is good, better forms of estrogen, and then you have your E3, which is a, which is a, a not-so-good form of estrogen, and that is actually processed through the gut and eliminated so when you're so i think um uh when you have too much bad estrogen build up right it will then affect obviously your your body because you you know high high having estrogen for female is good but having too high in bad estrogen can um lead to uh uh increases in say breast cancer so um, when I talk about, or it can have a, sorry, estrogenic profile. So when I talk about estrogenic profiles, it's the um, women who are quite skinny on the top and they have a lot of um, fat accumulation around the um, umbilical, around the, you know, the, the hamstring, the quads. Um, so that, that is a big sign that there, there is something in that is preventing, uh, the detoxification of estrogen, or it could be, um, again, heavy metals, etc. So I always, 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 for that reason, start with the gut first and looking at intestinal, intestinal barrier integrity, looking at um, digestion, absorption. Uh, you know, is the, do, do they get bloating particular in the uh, lower abdomen? What is their, um, are they, you know, are they quite gassy? Um, do they have uh, digest, undigested food in the stools? Um, do they have clay colored stools? Do the stools float? Um, you know, I, I sometimes joke that, or rather someone joked to me that I'm a shit reader. <laughs> yeah. Because I ask so many questions. Is it also the, the, the test that you do, the stool uh, <laughs> tests? Uh, or do you, uh, yes. do you prefer blood, blood analysis? Or do you just have a, uh, an intake where you um, ask for the food they eat and, and what feeling does it give to their body? Or do you do a combination of a few? I do a combination. So when someone first comes to see me, I have a, a fairly long questionnaire for them to fill out, which um, asks a lot of questions about their gut health. <laughs> and what they eat, obviously. Um, and then if we, you know, we generally do a sit down. Uh, and if I, if I feel that I need to understand a little bit more about where their, you know, where their gut health is. So if they say to me that um, uh, they frequently uh, go between constipation and diarrhea, they get a lot of bloating, um, they've historically uh, get unknown cramping, like they don't know why they bloat and they cramp. Um, uh, they may have, uh, they constantly feel that, you know, the, the, the food sits in their stomach, right? They're, they're, never, they're never hungry. So all, all of these signs are kind of markers for me to go, okay, hang on a second. Um, let's have a 
a, a more of a discovery chat into the gut health. And then if I do feel that they need to have testing, it's not a thing that I would like to do for all clients because I understand mm-hmm. it's expensive. Um, I may direct them to do uh, some either GI microbial assay test. So that's a Genova diagnostics test. Mm-hmm. Um, or lately there's a company called Biome. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them. Uh, Genova, I know, more... but the other one, the last one, I haven't heard of it yet. Okay, so Viome is a is a very pretty test um, because it takes a stool sample. You send it. You send it to the labs. I think it's in the. Uh, I think it's in the UK, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you get the results pretty much back in two to three weeks, uh, and the report is delivered by an app. Okay. And the app breaks things down very simply. So it shows you butyric production, gas, methane gas production. It t- gives you a, you know, it, there's a traffic light um, indicator from like, you know, a really good to like really bad. And it tells you where you are on the scale in comparative to all the other biome samples that they had. So it's a nice report for a client to understand that they have a problem with the gut health. Okay, that's so good. I, I will, I will um, put uh, the link to the website yeah. in the show notes for the listeners so they can... Uh, yeah, do. do. Um, it's something that sometimes when uh, I have a client who perhaps it may be in denial or they um, or, or alternatively they could be completely asymptomatic. So um, sometimes uh, clients pr- say that, oh, I have no gut problems. But when you dive deeper and you know, you, you, there are certain signs, particularly through the stool. When you ask those questions, um, they, they do. And then it's easier for me to say, you know what, humor me and do this test. It's not very expensive. And that's generally why I get them to do it. Uh, so it's about 159 US dollars, actually. So it's not expensive comparatively to the Genova one. Yeah. Um, as a coach, it doesn't give you enough in-depth information, but it puts the idea in the client's head already alongside recommendations that you can make and even the app does make um, for them to better improve your gut health. So that's a powerful tool because it's inexpensive and I call it pretty because it's presented well. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's a really important point that we um, that these tests can help the client understand that what they think is normal is not normal, and that's what we see in a lot of things. Uh, I talk. I talked about it uh, yesterday in a podcast episode about uh, waking up three times at night or waking up uh, just to go to the bathroom. People think it's normal. People think it's normal to have an afternoon energy dip. You know, but it's not, that's not normal. And it's the same with if, if you eat something, you have to go to the toilet or you feel bloated. It's not a good sign. It's a, that it's, it's a sign that something is wrong, but people do not see it as something wrong. And I think with, with these tests and giving them on, on paper, and then it's really good that it's like in, in easy man terms. So they, they really understand it that they it can be a good eye opener and if you get them to open their eyes in this these topics it will help them um and it will also help your coaching a lot yeah absolutely and i mean um there are you know i i like to rely more on um little signs and uh you know i uh, call i call it like a a you know being a nutrition pervert um that that I got from Owen Lacey. So to really look at someone's body, so I'm not just talking to them um, when they come in for an assessment, but I'm noticing, do they have you know dry skin on the back of their heels, um, on the back of their elbows? You know, it, that's a sign of um, uh, gluten issues. Do they have uh, um, sort of dark lines on the, the back of their neck, or uh, you know, when I'm doing calipers, I, I try and like have a look. Um, to see if they have skin tags or lines in the back of the neck, and that's an indicator of poor um, blood sugar management. 
you know, are they, um, do they have like a red sort of rosy ring around the nose? I'm sure you've seen that sometimes. Yeah. Um, and that's a, that's a sign of um, possible sort of, you know, that they might be, be um, lying to you about alcohol. Because uh, <laughs> alcohol, it's a depletion of B1, B2 vitamins. You know, um, and for those with adrenal fatigue, like, do they have uh, um, uh, one sort of eye, eye sort of like a droopy eyelid? If yeah. they've never had it before, um, are they missing the hairs on the ends of their, you know, eyebrows? Is that getting thinner? Um, if you kind of look under the, you know, under the eye, is that all white or is that pink with capillaries? So these, and, you know, they have um, uh, sort of really dark circles could be either food intolerances, adrenal fatigue or both. So there, there are so many signs that the body can give yeah. you such, such that you might not even need testing, but I use testing as a way to kind of get clients to come out of um, uh, what I call unconscious incompetence to conscious inco conscious incompetence so they don't know what they don't know then they know yeah i, I don't know what your, what your opinion is but i think with with females it's more important than with men i don't know if you you agree with that well i think women the thing is comes down to psychology as well right so women tend to second guess themselves and they tend to feel like they need they need to seek further opinion or they you know they're just not confident right and from for me when i work with clients on intuitive eating which i'm a big fan of um and biofeedback which is also i'm a super big fan of for women there there is a conflict between what's in their heart and what's in their head mm. and there's a, a constant fight so um you know, it's also as a coach, you, you also need to encourage them to be brutally honest with themselves. And, and again, it comes back to the side of, you know, the softer skills in coaching, not so much the knowledge and the theories and whatnot. And, and I find that, you know, a lot of the times if once I explain something to a guy, he goes ahead and does it. But when I explain something to a woman, um, maybe she understands it. But there's still a large psychology component, whether whether it's uh, emotional eating, whether it's a um, cultural sort of like tie, like we have certain ties or psychological tie, right? Uh, I was chatting with a client yesterday and I asked her, um, you know, I asked her about her snacking or I, I asked her about why, you know, why does she feel the need to eat all the time? And it goes back to you know and, and for her she was like well no one's ever asked me that before um and and she had to take a moment to think about it and she said to me well i think it's because when i was growing up my parents were really strict with food and whatever food i was given i had to finish it even if i didn't like it and whatever food that I liked, I was restricted. So now that I'm an adult, I feel the need to eat because for me, it's a form of indulgence. And also, I don't like, I cannot, I've been conditioned to not have food left over. So yes. even if she's full, she continues to eat because it, it's, it's conditioning, right? And that is where um, I know we're kind of deviating from the hormone side, but that's also where uh, I think client, I mean, sorry, coaches don't take up that conversation or discuss this with their clients is there is a whole habitual change component, positive psychology component, particularly when it comes to coaching females. And actually, I mean, if you talk about hormones, it, you, you are in a way, managing cortisol that way because yeah. you know cortisol is indiscriminate so whether that cortisol is built up by a physical exercise whether that cortisol is built up by mental and emotional stress or the stress of having to track um the accountability stress the stress of responsibility uh, nutritional stress um, and we can get into that one uh all of these stresses all add up yeah. right and we all know that things like repair digestion ab absorption 
um, recovery, all these rely on the parasympathetic system. So that when the body is relaxed, so if the body is not relaxed, right? You're unable to recover. You're unable to replenish. You're unable to absorb your food. And so all of a sudden, you, you know, you, you have this um, really big sort of circle of just doom. You know, you're, yeah. you're trying really hard and you're exercising and you're going, I'm, I'm doing this diet. And then you're like, no, but go, 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 go. And, you know, you're, ne you're, never, calming, you're never calming down. Right. So these days, my practice involves a lot more um, insight into uh, why someone is doing something like that. It involves a lot of positive psychology. It involves some form of um, incorporation of whether it's meditation, breath work, uh, earthing, um, going yeah. back to nature, because all of that, I find, will bring down the cortisol. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I think that's really interesting uh, for a lot of trainers going more, uh, looking more at the psychology also from all these things. And uh, I think the, you need to eat your plate. I think it's, it's general, it's worldwide. It's, it's the same in Belgium. So I think we can um, relate to that as well. Um, let's go back to the, to like the hormonal journeys. I want to talk a bit more about the menstrual cycle because I think it's also a really important topic um, that I know a lot of trainers are not that familiar with, especially the male uh, trainers. So can you dive a bit deeper into the influence yeah, of the menstrual cycle? Sure. Um, first of all, for the guys that are listening, don't be afraid to ask about a woman, woman's menstrual cycle. I think it, it's definitely a very important um, part of uh, indicators of health, um, hormonal health for a female. So, You know, uh, for the younger trainers, I know sometimes asking an older woman about their menstrual cycle can be a little bit, oh my God. <laughs> uh, but, you know, <laughs> but, you know, you just need to ask the question, be professional about it and be ready to also, if, you know, if you're asked why, um, be ready to explain why. I mean, for example, I ask uh, sometimes my male clients, I said, well, um, what's your libido like? Right. Is, is it high? Is it low? Um, I'm not, you know, it, it, it's not something that you should be ashamed to ask because it, you are, whatever question you ask as a coach, you need to almost know why you're asking it because there's a reason why you're asking it. So some, don't just ask a question for the sake of asking a question. I think that's another thing that I, I see quite regularly. Yeah. Um, just because someone, someone else had it on their questionnaire. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so in terms of periods, uh, when it comes to a menstrual cycle, um, the indicators of a, a healthy period would be a um, period that's regular. Okay. It um, goes from between three to five days uh, where there's a minimum of, um, well, around three heavy days, right? So if, you, if you're having clients that have like five super heavy days, there's, there's issues. Um, if they're just spotting all throughout the, you know, the five days, that's also, that's also an issue. Um, during the period and just before it, they shouldn't be actually getting a lot of breast tenderness. Um, their uh, mood, um, there shouldn't be like massive mood swings. Uh, hair, skin and nails should actually be fairly you know, normal. So some people experience, some women experience hair dropping, um, extreme mood swings, extreme aggressiveness. Um, so all of these need to be sort of checked and marked. Uh, a lot of it, when it comes to bad periods and bad PMS, is actually linked to um, a buildup of bad estrogen. And I know I keep talking about the gut, but again, if there is a lot of estrogen buildup and the body is not able to, uh, to get rid of it via pooping um, every day. So that's another thing. I don't know about Belgium, what the stats are, but here in Hong Kong, uh, if I ask a female how many times a day does she go, um, goes to poop, she'll be like, what do you mean? Same in Belgium. I, once every three days. And I'm like, excuse me, what? 
so you know you should be pooping every day so in otherwise um what happens is the bad estrogen gets into the gut and becomes recycled through the body and this is where you have um you get women with extreme estrogenic profiles um in terms of like uh why it's also super important to why i talk a lot about estrogen is um so for example in the breast there's a lot of estrogen receptors and um you know and that can cause breast sensitivity as well so you know if you have a lot of breast tenderness uh prior to your period or during your period it's uh, it could be a sign that you may need to look towards um a little bit more towards gut health and regarding and that, regarding training do you have specific guidelines during periods do you do something different um that's actually so i know there's a lot of material out there and there are two schools of thought around um you know periods should be a time in which the body needs to uh repair replenish etc and you should you know you you're you're more carb tolerant um, just after your period and you're less carb tolerant during your period um frankly speaking like i've i've tried both like i've tried uh you know i've tried taking off training load when i'm on my period particularly on my heavy days um i've tried doing all the i can't even remember what the book is now um but there's there's a book out there that you know talks about um your food and your training around your 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 menstrual cycle uh i haven't honestly found a lot of problems or issues differences personally yeah okay um a lot of my clients are not high level athletes um and i don't have a high level female athlete so the majority of my clients actually um you know even if they're more body comp or their their goals are towards body comp um i still train them towards optimal health because i always find that if i guide them towards optimal health the body comp will follow so i haven't really gone oh it's your period um don't train or okay. if it's your period do more parasympathetic work what i have found though um is that uh in this period of the covid um the virus right now uh we were so in hong kong we were closed for seven weeks so we weren't allowed to coach people at all um indoors if we were to do any coaching it could only occur outdoors in the parks which were supposedly closed so it's kind of like this weird catch 22 um and you could only uh do groups of four where one of you is the trainer so what a lot of my clients did post um sort of three weeks of home workout or a little bit of outdoor training um is that some of them actually did undergo uh what i call a bit of a um metabolic sort of reset uh it's mm-hmm. it's it's a combination of a elimination diet but we look towards um uh parasympathetic work at the same time um okay. so doing things like ir saunas uh stretching mobility work um if they are wanting to train it would be pretty much a 100 meter sprint rest 5 minutes if they're ready for sprinting if they're not then more sort of gymnastica stuff um so that they're not overloading the system um but they're getting uh supplementation towards um both uh speeding up the liver and bowel movement okay so um it involves taking greens and medical shakes uh quite a fair bit of supplementation um some iv therapy we do have iv therapy here in hong kong at certain clinics so i actually work alongside a functional medicine clinic for that um and uh depending on their needs whether it's like you know they're they're high in heavy metals or they have um issues with pretty much just um bowel movement uh those protocols will differ slightly but i've been doing quite a fair bit of that the last uh 4 to 6 weeks and i know for a fact what i've seen is that my females do not get any more period pain okay 
or premenstrual symptoms after they've undergone this. So it shows that um, bad estrogen buildup is a big thing, whether that bad estrogen is from um, plastics, it's from makeup, um, it's from perfumes particularly. Uh, it could be from, right now, it could be from like, you know, the mask material. Yeah. Uh, it could be from the hand sanitizers. Yeah. Uh, all these xenoestrogens are, are not, are, are part, in part of why um, women tend to build it up because, uh, and makeup is something that is often underlooked. Do you have some guidelines that you, you talk with the clients, the female clients, about like makeup and, and shampoo and all these, uh, and all these things? Do you... Um, yeah, I do actually. Things? Yeah. Um, so I get, uh, I get them to double check it against uh, ewg.org's database. Yeah. Right, so there's a, there's a cosmetics database, database sorry, where they have a traffic lighting system and they can basically check in their uh, everything from laundry detergent to lipsticks to shampoo conditioner through it. So um, you can see like one where green, very good to like 10 possibly can kill you in the long run. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and they actually, they're, they're quite good because they assess, they assess the product and they actually tell you, um, is it an endocrine disruptor? So hormonal disruptor, is it a, uh, you know, does it, is it, will it affect the nervous system? Does it cause brain damage? Um, does it have, uh, you know, does it cause cancer? So you, I, I think it's if, a, if yeah. you look at the list, I looked at it a few times, it gets scary sometimes. That, <laughs> yeah. what, what the hell do you put on your body? Have you looked, have you looked at this? what the consequence can be. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, exactly. And I mean, if you look at, um, I mean, I'm sure this doesn't come on your social media feed, but for, for whatever reason, they seem to be targeting me right now. Yeah. Um, but the latest that I've seen that scared me a little bit are the magnetic lashes. Right. Yeah. So you have an eyeliner with metal in it Ooh. and you're putting it on the thinnest part um, the thinnest part of your skin on your whole body. So your eye, your, you know, where, where the skin over your eyes, that's the thinnest uh, membrane of skin in your entire body. You're putting it there and you, you're clamping on lashes. I, what the hell? Yeah, that's, that's unbelievable. I mean, that's and this crazy. product is being released to, to thousands and thousands of, um, you know, particularly, I suppose, the younger, younger girls out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so your your cosmetics uh, can definitely be a big disruptor. Here in Hong Kong, we have um, pollution. You know, our our water system, even though it's treated at the source, still has to go through a lot of old piping, etc. So for yeah. you know, and, and there's still a lot of old buildings. So there there is a bit of um, you know a, a bit of a toxicity coming out of that and food. So number one here is our quality of food is horrific. Yeah. Is it, is yeah. it different? Uh, I don't know the, if you know the quality in food in Belgium, but uh, is Hong Kong like a place where you say here is a really bad quality? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. So uh, the price of imported produce is extremely high. So whenever I go to Europe, I'm, I'm in heaven. I go to a supermarket and I feel like a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> Even in the organic section, I'm like, ah, hallelujah. Yeah. Um, but over here, it, it's expensive. So um, to eat well here does cost a, a chunk of money. And even then, because the majority of organic or um, free range is flown in, so it's still not as fresh. Okay. Right. And that comes down to, you know, again, uh, when I work with females, I work a lot on nutrient replenishment. Right. Like I'm asking people how, you know, instead of looking at calories, because calories, it, it doesn't account for so many things. It doesn't account for micronutrient density, thermic effect of food. It doesn't account for digestion, absorption, hormonal response to foods. Right. All of that. So. If I look simply just at getting people to choose nutrient-dense foods here in Hong Kong, um, it's, it's difficult because food is not fresh, right? It looks fresh in the supermarket or 
but it either dies the next day. So he, it's a it's a running joke in Hong Kong. Either you buy buy vegetables, and you can keep it for three months, and it doesn't change, mm. <laughs> right? Or it, I'm, I'm not kidding. I had leaks where I was away for a month and a half, and I came back, and it still looked the same. Yeah, good, um, good, good quality. <laughs> good quality spray. <laughs> I know, and uh, or or it just dies the next day. So we're not getting um, we're not getting super fresh food. So nutrient repl- replenishment, particularly the more hormonal journeys um, a female has undergone, like childbirth, uh, pregnancy, even miscarriage, right? That is key. So. One of the things that I like to say to um, some of my female clients with uh, who have had babies is that um, it actually takes about five years on a standard American diet to replenish your nutrients lost, or your, you know, your, if you do organic acid testing, etc. Um, it takes five years for you to replenish yourself and to get back towards some form of hormonal balance. If you have a baby within that five years that recovery time doubles. Yeah. So if you think about certain clients now that you may, you may have worked with and you're going, hang on a second, they've had three pregnancies and births within six years, right? There is a lot of replenishing that they need to do before they embark on anything that is completely intense or extreme. I think it should. That's a really good point because then we need to um, open their eyes about their fat loss goals. I think because um, yeah. their body yeah. will not be one hundred percent ready, as you say. Uh, fat loss is a luxury. Uh, so yes, and it, if, if it, the, it is a luxury. If, if the body is not ready for it, it it will be a, a longer process than uh, before. And I use here in Hong Kong because we're, you know, we're a bit of a financial center. So everyone has a bank account. So I always talk to them about, you know, um, their health bank account, right? So if they've, if, you know, if you have a set amount at the start, right? And you're every big hormonal journey, even every sort of relocation. So if you've gone from the UK to Hong Kong, uh, if you have, um, been married divorced uh that's also emotional right it's still a lot of it's in a way it's hormonal too Mm -hmm. um if you've had a pregnancy actually pregnancy and childbirth is the biggest withdrawal a female can make in her life from her health bank account right so if you've had big withdrawals like that and and usually when i work with a client um on nutritional functional medicine i draw a timeline from birth all the way to now right and i kind of mark the different sort of major events of your life right and i say to them look this is what you have gone through through your whole life that has brought you to where you are here today how many big withdrawals versus how many big cash deposits are you putting in does it balance 99% of the time you know, yep. keep a tissue box next to you, but they'll tell you, yeah, I've, I've had uh, so many withdrawals and I never put in deposits. Yeah. I think that's, I never good, do anything. That's a good example or a good analogy, w- which you can use in every client. I think if you, if we look at businessmen who have done uh, a lot of stress for work, drinking alcohol, eating bad food, and then come to you, and they want a big result in 12 weeks, okay, everything can happen, but the same can, can be implemented here. Draw a timeline time and say, okay, what have you taken out of your health bank accounts and what are you going to put in now? What, what do you expect? We cannot yeah. replenish 20 years of eating bad and <laughs> living a stressful life in 12 weeks. So yeah, I think that's, uh, I, that's, that's also one thing I'm going to remember yeah. in, in uh, like an intake and, and things with clients. Draw, yeah. draw a small timeline and, and, and let them see what they have done to their body and then let them understand that we cannot reverse things like instantly, that that's yeah. not possible. It yeah. takes time. Yeah. You, I, this is another thing that I always say. You're, you know, we are coaches. We're not magicians. Oh, yeah. love to be a magician, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, 
And actually, uh, just to give you a little bit more insight into the timeline, I actually even start, like when I start from the beginning, I actually ask if there is, you know, they've had any um, family history of certain diseases. Um, you know, do they, do they know whether they were a C-section baby or they were a natural birth baby? Um, did they have, you know, uh, eczema, colic when they were young? Um, you know, did they have a lot of uh, antibiotic use? Uh, so there is, there's a lot of questions that you can ask and then you can sort of plot. And, um, you know, I, I think it was, uh, uh, shit, what's the name? Um, Sarah Gottfried, who said that a month of antibiotics would take up to two years for the gut to heal hmm. a month. Yeah. Because it destroys everything in the gut. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, so for, so that is actually one of the important factors. Um, another thing as well is that uh, one thing that I see a lot is postnatal or postpartum women who are still breastfeeding. They're undergoing uh, fat loss programs. They are not fat loss clients at all. Um, if, even if you take out the nutrient replenishment part of it, uh, you know, it's even the fact that if you are breaking down fat, where are all the toxins stored in your body? It's stored in fat cells. So if you are breaking down fat and you're releasing toxins, you're putting toxins directly into your breast milk. And there's no detoxifying, there's no fat loss if you are breastfeeding postpartum. I think Full that's stop. A, a, a big takeaway <laughs> for a lot of trainers that, that they need to see. They, they don't put clients on a fat loss program during breastfeeding. Yeah, yeah. Good, it's really about good recovery, replenishment, uh, and really teaching. And actually, you know what? That's a great time to work on sleep. <laughs> because they're not sleeping yeah right and to work on parasympathetic stuff and just to get them moving moving is key because it keeps um you know there's there's an oxytocin hit from it there is uh ser you know there's serotonin that's gaba um you're getting a bit of a dopamine hit and it, and you know the newborn mummies of newborns are very low in in those neurotransmitters um, and they're, they're feeling empowered because they are doing something other than, uh, you know, being somebody's little snack bitch, right? Yeah. So it's, um, it, it, it's more to do with the psychological part rather than an actual um, calories in, calories out yeah. movement thing. Really good. Um, we've talked a bit about the hormones. Do you have some recommendation about a book? that uh, listeners can read to understand a bit more about hormones? Do, do you know a book? Oh, so many. Um, yeah. So I would, there's a couple of books actually, if you, tr if you, if you train a lot of females that you should definitely be, um, be reading. Uh, there is the gut and psychology syndrome. I think that's by Sherry Rogers. Uh, there is uh uh, the metabolic code, cracking the metabolic code, yeah. for sure. James Laval, it's uh, oldie but a goodie. Um, cortisol connections, another another good one. Uh, funnily enough, um, there is a book out there called Super Nutrition for Babies, and it's written by uh, functional medicine doctor Catherine something, but. Just look it up, Super Nutrition for Babies. Okay. What the authors have done brilliantly is that they've recognized that anyone reading this book is a very tired and fatigued mother and therefore needs to understand concepts that are complex, but really quickly and really simply. So okay. they have some gems which everybody should read. Uh, because it explains why fat isn't bad for you or, you know, it, it talks a little bit about stress in the gut and it, it puts things in par in just simple one paragraph, two paragraphs, and you get it immediately. Phenomenal really book. 
Um, yeah, no, I, I was reading it for my baby, but then I was like, wow, everybody needs to read this book. Yeah. Um, and it's got some really good bone broth recipes. So uh, for, for women who are struggling with breastfeeding and who are looking for an alternative to formula. So for those of you who you know, have babies or for, for your clients that you know, have newborns, um, breastfeeding is a very difficult process and not everyone can breastfeed. Uh, so they have some really good alternatives to formula because formula, as you know, has a lot of um, additives, maltodextrin, vegetable oils put into mm. it. So it's not necessarily great for the baby. It's also not really a, um, a human uh, breast milk substitute. I mean, cow milk can be quite inflammatory. So some babies will have cow milk and they will break out in eczema. They have bad stools. My baby was one of them. Um, and that's actually how I came across that book. Uh, she couldn't handle, in the early days, she couldn't handle anything with casein, lactose, whey, nothing. Um, and I had tried uh, lactose-free milk. I had tried hypoallergenic milk, uh, obviously cow milk, goat milk, and nothing worked. Um, what I did find was that bone broth alternative in the super nutrition for babies worked. It is difficult to prepare, but um, I mean, difficult in the sense it takes time to prepare. But I mean, you know, if you're if you're on maternity leave, you have all the time in the world. And uh, and interestingly enough, um, and this may be possibly quite uh, contentious, but I used um, donkey milk. Okay, never yeah. heard of so, that. So, uh, Sicily is a big producer. Um, it is not widely available in Hong Kong. I think it's easier to get in Germany and in Italy, maybe Belgium, seeing you guys are quite I'm, close, I'm close to that region. Up. I'm going to look it up for sure because yeah. I never heard of it. So, I'm definitely going to yeah. look that up. I use that. It, it, it was expensive. It was costing me um, close to, and, and this was even uh, at more wholesale prices because I used my company to get it. <laughs> um, it was costing me almost uh, 1,200 euros a month. Ooh, so a it's not cheap, um, yeah. but I, for whatever reasons, uh, could not breastfeed. Um, and I was actually also relying on breast milk donations as well from other moms. So I was very stubborn in the sense that I wanted my baby to have, uh, to be breastfed for at least a year. Um, and so that's, those are the alternatives that I, I used. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So those are, yeah, those are great books. Um, definitely, um, Good to look at and, and the super nutrition for babies, it can be interesting for uh, a lot of trainers, uh, all the takeaways that are in there. So really good. Yeah. Um, okay. So to wrap up this episode, um, we started with, with the title, what every woman needs to know about fat loss. Maybe we can just summarize a few things that trainers should look for or trainers should do. I think number one is look at quality of food to improve gut, gut health. I think that's a really important one. Um, maybe one more question to go about that because uh, in Belgium, <clears throat> trainers use supplementation also. Um, do you, of, what is your favorite supplement to improve the gut health with uh, clients besides having their nutrition on point? But what is the next step? Oh, uh, so I, I use a combination of um, colostrum uh, so Designs for Health does a supplement called Tegracel Colostrum. Um, I use I use that. Yep, I use that. Uh, I also use their GI Revive product. Okay. So it has a lot of herbs, um, particularly aloe vera extract. I think there's some curcumin in it. it. It just helps to bring down and calm the gut, and it's got um, pharmaceutical sort of levels of glutamine. Uh, glutamine is also a big one because yeah. glutamine is, uh, in, as you know, it helps with um, intestinal barrier integrity. Uh, what else do I use? Um, yeah, 
those are the main ones. And then what I would generally do, um, particularly for uh, females that have had their gallbladder removed. So they, mm-hmm. if you have your gallbladder removed, you cannot digest fat. So I would use an ox bile um, digestive enzyme. Um, and for those women or, and men who, ha- who actually see undigested food in their schools, okay. uh, I would use some form of digestive enzyme. So Pure Encapsulations is a, another good brand that I use. They have a product called Digestimes, um, which has a range of, uh, you know, of, of digestive enzymes that help. Um, so you have to be, and they have, it has HCL in it as well, um, hydrochloric acid. Uh, you have to be quite picky with your digestive enzyme blends. Um, just be aware that, you know, are you, is that person having difficulty with, um, digesting proteins, digesting or digesting fat, right? So generally if stools are, uh, they float, or the very pale colored, um, you might need a oxbell extract plus um, some pancreatic enzymes, etc. Right? Uh, if they are um, kind of going between constipation and diarrhea, and they have undigested food in their stools, then I would look towards more your not oxbell, but more towards the um, proteases and and whatnot. So I tend to have just the two products. Um, Biogest by Thorn Research is another one actually. And do that. Perfect, perfect. Good tips. All right. So uh, we have uh, the, the the summary. So it's the improving <laughs> the gut health um, with the food. Uh, what other things uh, were important as a summary? The detoxification is also related to the food, of course. I think. Yep. And actually, oh yes. And actually, in the metabolic reset that I do, um, I use a lot of pectin, apple pectin, citrus pectin, okay, pectisol as the uh, as the ingredient and the chelators that I use would be around, would pretty much be core energy. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, yeah. If you're talking about supplementation, I'm a huge fan of magnesium um, and mm. inositol. Inositol actually can also help with PCOS. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, if you, if your clients are not sleeping as well as with, uh, you know, if they have bad sleep, the um, Wolfgang's YPSI, uh, magnesium capsin, and uh, in YPSI inositol that also has some magnesium glycinate in it. Phenomenal. Magic, I do stack. not, yeah, I do not have anyone where that stack has not worked. Yeah. Um, I've used other products when uh, that people have run out and I haven't gotten the shipment in yet and they haven't worked as well. Like that stack is just, Super. Yeah. Um, B vitamins is a big one for uh, females, uh, particularly if they are on the pill. Yeah. So if they're on the pill, uh, which is a form of oral contraception, um, every single medication and actually trainers, if your clients are on medications, have a look for drug-induced nutritional deficiencies. Just Google that you'll find that uh, every single medication has a certain pathway through the liver and it depletes vitamins and minerals um, as it goes through, mm-hmm. right? So for the pill, it's CoQ10 and B vitamins. So just get a good vitamin B complex, get CoQ10, uh, whether it's liquid or capsules, whatever, um, do that. Uh, okay. and, then my, yeah, and then my last one, I suppose, I know it's a lot of supplements, but um, and again, like I don't do, I pick and choose with clients, right? Because mm-hmm. some people don't want to take so many supplements, um, but also a vitamin D complex where it has a vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin A, and vitamin K. And that is available through Designs for Health as well. Um, the D and K, particularly for uh, calcium. Um, so D drives calcium in, K keeps it. That's the easiest way to, to remember it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for your clients who are undergoing menopause, uh, they have uh, um, you know, uh, osteoporosis at risk of that. Uh, e helps with the ovarian function. And vitamin A actually helps to make thyroid receptors. So every single cell in the body has a thyroid receptor um, that is made from vitamin A. 
And you can actually tell a person with vitamin A deficiency if they are very sensitive to light at night. Okay. Because it actually helps with pupil dilation. All right, yeah, really so. good. Really Too many. Good. There's so many. Things. Yeah, it doesn't matter. People, people can put a paper and a and a pen, and they can listen to the episode a few times. So it doesn't matter. Okay. Sorry, if, it was supposed to be a summary. No, it was. It's it's good. If it if it if it um, if it if it's good content, it doesn't matter. Okay, perfect. Uh, we're gonna wrap it up. Um, thank you for the episode. It was really really interesting. I had a few uh, interesting. Um, aha moments as well uh good awesome. books i like to buy new books so now i have a, an excuse again to buy a few books so that's always awesome. <laughs> so thank you again i wish you all the best no in, uh, thank you so much Ken. and uh hope to see you soon hope to see you soon too when all this travel is done i i definitely have a trip to belgium to make perfect uh happy awesome. to welcome you here thank great bye have an amazing day see you bye, bye. Bedankt om te luisteren naar alweer een nieuwe episode van de podcast. Het zou mij enorm plezieren moest je even naar de app gaan op jouw gsm van iTunes, de podcast-app, en even een review schrijven over deze podcast. Het zou gewoon enorm helpen om hoger te komen in de rankings en de credibiliteit van de podcast te verhogen. Alvast bedankt en tot de volgende keer.